Recently, I spoke with Susan Yaron, Director of Development and Communications at Visual Arts Center of New Jersey. Susan and I first worked together, that would have been 2018, when I did the fundraising gala. And it was such a big success, even though it was just a small, intimate event. We grew it into a larger gathering last year and we were slated for something really special at the end of March, 2020. But as you can guess, we had to pivot. And Susan, in her calibrated response to the crisis, her ability to understand the landscape of what she was up against from a fundraising perspective and take it from there was something that has inspired me these last few months. And so I got a chance to chat with her earlier this month about how she did that, uh, her, the approach she took, what it looks like going forward. And I think that there's a lot to learn for all of us here in the fundraising world. So I hope you enjoy the following conversation. Music is always by Matthias DeWild. And thank you so much for listening. Susan Yard, Director of Development and Communications at the Visual Arts Center of New Jersey. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks, CK. It's nice to talk to you. It is such a pleasure to connect because you and I have now been working together three years. And at the beginning yep. of March, we were really excited about an end of the month fundraiser that, spoiler alert, didn't come to pass. That being said, <laughs> even though your live event in New Jersey was scheduled for, what was it, March 29th? 28th, yeah. March 28th, you still were able to do some pretty impressive fundraising. Can you talk us through what March looked like for you and what came to pass there on the 28th? Sure. Um, so, you know, at the beginning of March, when the COVID-19 situation, you know, it was apparent that, that there was really going to be a problem with having large gatherings, uh, we as an organization, you know, sat down and had some hard conversations about what we were going to do, because this, this gala is very important to us um, from a fundraising perspective. You know, it accounts for, uh, you know, about 10% of our fundraising uh, for the year. And, you know, one of the considerations was that we had a lot of folks that are, you know, over 60 that were going to be in attendance. And when it became apparent that it just wasn't going to be safe to have the fundraiser and include the people that we wanted to include, um, we made the hard call. Um, so it, it was about three weeks before the fundraiser was supposed to take place that we sat down and said, okay, how, how are we going to do the gala? Because it has to happen. You know, we've already sourced artwork. We have sponsors. We have programs. We have swag. We have an event. We have an auctioneer. You know, you what are we going to do? Indeed. And what are the... <laughs> That's right. So we had to sit down and think, what, what do we have to unwind, first of all? And then what do we need to tee up to make this successful? Um, so on the unwinding side, and, and this was a really wonderful, wonderful surprise to me, but, um, you know, our, our event, uh, location was incredibly helpful. They let us out of the contract with no penalties. 
um, you were most gracious and 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 let us out of our contract with you of with no course. penalties. So on the one side, we were able to eliminate so many expenses that we were going to incur. So that that was great. So we 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 did the major unwinding, and then we had to pivot and say, okay, how are we going to make money? Um, so. Uh, luckily for us, we had already been building an online auction site for the evening for our silent auction items. And um, we had uh, roughly 50 artworks and experiences already on the auction site. And, and it's a, a really affordable auction site called 32 Auctions. I think for the entire site, we paid $150. No way. Um, so really... Yeah, incredible resource for nonprofits. Um, so what we decided is that, you know, the first thing we would do is move the live auction items that you were going to, you know, originally present and let's get them on our, our existing auction pl- platform. So we did that and, um, you know, that, that, was, that was a pretty easy thing to do. Then the next thing we did is, you know, normally you help us with a paddle race um, for general giving. And so we sat down and brainstormed, you know, categories to add to the auction site for funding needs so that people who just wanted to give charitably could do so on the evening. Um, and then I think that really the most impactful thing um, from, a, from a fundraising standpoint is, we had lots of sponsors and ticket holders who were expecting to come to an event and they had already paid their money or they had committed it. And so um, we sat down with the list of those nearest and dearest and we called each one of them personally. And our plea was this event is not going to happen and we are fully prepared to refund your money. But would you consider donating, um, you know, the cost of your sponsorship or your ticket to the organization? Because it's really important to us in terms of long-term sustainability and being able to reopen after COVID. And for me, the very, very exciting thing is we had a hundred percent response donate their tickets and sponsorships. That is really, truly extraordinary. (laughs) Yeah, and I think, you know, uh, you hear it all the time in fundraising that it's about relationships. But in a situation like this, it really was the relationships that we had built over the preceding years and, and even decades in some cases um, that enabled us to make that ask. Um, and I think it's also important to note that, you know, we didn't send an email, we didn't leave a phone message, you know, we called everybody personally. Um, and have the conversation, and it it makes a real difference. And then people can ask questions. Um, and, you know, some people ask how they could help extra. And uh, one thing I've been emphasizing to everyone as we figure out what to do in the era of COVID nineteen is you can't replace hard work. And what's clear about uh, the example of the Visual Arts Center is that you put in the work you doubled down on the work and it's not fun it's not glamorous you know you don't get into um the the art because you want to make a million phone calls in the middle of a pandemic begging people not even begging but just you know just laying out the scenario but it really makes a difference i mean that is that is what allows uh, a community center like the like the art center to to survive 
Yeah, and you know that that is a good point about the hard work part because people ask, oh, you you were working from home, a little little more relaxing, and I would say absolutely not in that time period. I was I was working probably double what I normally worked, and the rest of our team was doing the same thing because we, you know, on the gala night, I'll I'll, I'll switch the actual execution for a second because of of that thought. But on the night, um, it was like mission control. We had our gala committee um, standing by. They had created virtual tables that they were texting with so they could keep the friends that they had planned on inviting engaged. Um, Our, you know, communications manager, he had split our gala video into segments so that he could stream them on Facebook um, our honoree for the evening, she mobilized her network on Facebook and was making calls and sending text messages, encouraging people to bid. So it was not a passive virtual event. It was, it was four hours of, you know, probably 20 people, maybe 30, really working the entire night to keep people motivated, engaged, and even excited about what was going on. And how then did that come together? That was the work that you put in, and what was the result? The result was was amazing. Um, we ended up netting one hundred and ninety five thousand dollars. Wow! Um, for the evening, yeah, and that I mean that was incredible, and and even more incredible is that that was on a two hundred twenty thousand dollar goal. So to get that close to the goal with only three weeks to pivot at the, at the height of, of the, um, the, the pandemic and the newness of the lockdowns, you know, it was, it was a complete win in our books. And what was the response that you got from the, your supporters who took part in this, uh, in the virtual battle? I mean, what did you, what did you hear from them? What did you learn? Everybody loved it. Um, a lot of people said it was a real bright spot for them in an otherwise dark time um, because I think there's a couple of reasons. You know, first of all, you know, art, it's inspirational. It's beautiful. It motivates people. It gets you thinking about things that are not just the day-to-day. So there were a lot of people looking at art that they knew had been donated by artists who love the art center and it created a real feeling of good goodwill and, and happiness really. And then on the flip side of that, they all knew that the reason for our fundraiser um, is so that we can provide programs to underserved audiences. We can provide programs to inner city kids, to veterans, um, you know, English language acquisition through art um, to, to immigrant populations you know, that kind of completed the circle of goodwill. And, and we, we really only had uh, amazing feedback. Congratulations on that. It must have been just emotionally and professionally rewarding after putting all that anxious, hard work, uh, just the anxiety surrounding it all. And to have that result, uh, I can imagine, gave you courage going forward. It did. It did. And, and I will say in the, in the months that have gone by since, um, 
you know, we've we've had a tremendously generous response to our annual appeal this year. Um, we we had a, a donor who decided to give us a two to one match, and we were able to maximize his donation. Um, it, it just it's it's it, the, the the feelings of goodwill have kept going, and I feel like we've kept our um, our family motivated and and invested in the work that we do. One of the ways that I thought was really interesting about your approach was the request you made of me. And to set up this request, uh, I've actually referenced it countless times since March in other calls because I thought it was so nuanced and appropriate. I had a new client reach out to me and say, hey, we are going to all virtual. Would you record an address to our constituents? And I thought about it and I humbly declined because I didn't have a relationship with their audience. I would just come in as some random guy talking about work that I don't have a connection to and I wouldn't be speaking from the heart. They would have written me bullet points or a script that Again, it's all pre-recorded. And I said, this should be somebody internal to your organization that those watching this, it will resonate. Otherwise, I'm, I'm just some random guy. And I have juxtaposed that with the ask you made of me, the request you made of me. And can you, can you tell uh, our listeners how you came about that ask and what it actually was? Sure. So, you know, this was going to be your third gala with us. And our audience is, is fairly small. I think the first gala you did with us, we had a, 125 people. Right. And then the second gala, right, we were up to over two. I think we had 205 people last year. Um, but you really connected with our audience um, and, and our supporters. And they had really connected with you. And I, you know, I had people even asking me, oh, is, is CK coming back? Is he going to be the auctioneer again? And um, yes, trust me, I promise, CK is coming back. So I knew people were looking forward to seeing you and to interacting with you and having that evening. Um, so I, I think it was maybe the week of the gala. I just had this idea. I thought, you know what, because our audience knows CK, loves him, he knows us, he knows what we do and what we're about. I wonder if he'll record just a really brief, you know, motivating opening so that when we start the, the online, you know, social media portion of the evening, he can just give a little motivational speech. And, and you did that for us. Um, and then, yeah, I also knew that you, you and a, a couple of the guys in the yep. audience have had some good banter and some, <laughs> some good back so and forth. Fun. And, I'm, I still need to get brunch yeah. with those guys. I know. And so when we were talking about them and how much fun you'd had with them, and you said you'd make them a little video, you know, I got to send that to them and they got to share it with their friends. And it was just a really feel good moment that had, you know, that had roots in, in, in something that was real and, and concrete from years before. It was genuine. It was sincere. And on my end, it gave me a sense of purpose, especially in those early days when I hadn't made 
my own pivot to virtual, um, you know, at the end of March, I was still floundering around. And it just struck me as so smart on your end in terms of saying, hey, here is how we can be creative. Here's how we can be authentic to the various dynamics at play here. And I had had so much fun the prior two years standing up in front of your loving audience and building that relationship. And that work doesn't just go out the window because of COVID-19. We have to adjust slightly. And I put on a full outfit. You know, I, co- I showered and combed my hair and put on a suit and like staged it and had a lot of fun recording it. And you know, it's it's always a counterfactual uh, to try to ascertain what it did in terms of hard dollars. But, you know, I, I felt that I got to take part in something um, that otherwise, you know, I, I couldn't show up for. And when we, you know, have our gala, uh, you know, fingers crossed uh, next March, we'll be able to laugh at that. And we might even be able to play it or integrate it uh, or, you know, it's something that, again, we're going to be able to build on. And I just thought it was so smart on your end. <laughs> Thank you. I actually love that idea that we, we would be able to, to play that back next year. <laughs> it, was a, it was a great moment seeing you there in your, in your purple suit and, you know, creating goodwill on the night. It, it made a lot of people smile. I had... I had a lot of comments about how it just, it made people feel like it was, you know, it was a little piece of what we would have had. Yeah. And, and that felt good to kick it off. Completely agree. Now, what would you have done differently knowing what you know now, um, but given the time, or, you know, maybe not even get the timeline, but, you know, if you could do it again, uh, how would you have adjusted? Hmm. The only thing that I think that we could have done to maybe increase our audience is is if we had been able to bring in more of the community um, on, on a broader scale, not just the immediate family, but if we'd been able to reach um, the people that that weren't kind of in that that second concentric circle of, you know, here's our gala committee, here's their friends. I feel like there was a, a third concentric circle of people that either know about us or, or might have been in attendance that we just didn't get the time um, and didn't have the manpower to reach them personally. Yeah. Um, that's, that's the only thing I think that got left on the table that, that maybe there were some people out there that, that would have been in our audience that we, we just didn't get to reach. That makes sense. And, you know, hearkening back and trying to recreate in my mind's eye the emotional state that we were all in, it doesn't surprise me that that part wasn't necessarily included with everything going on. But uh, I think that with a virtual component of all events going forward, that's going to be something will be really important to uh, continue to develop and watch it evolve. And I think there's going to be streaming components of all of all of all of our fundraisers, uh, even post COVID-19 and figuring out how to bring in even a wider audience. So perhaps they tune in, you know, year one and year two, they, you know, buy a single ticket and year three, they buy a table and then they become lifelong donors. Right. Right. And that's, 
that's the hope and the goal as we as we build these relationships and and have people really organically involved in causes that that speak to them and that they care about. I couldn't agree more. Are there any last thoughts you'd have for other organizations out there who may be trying to figure out what they should do uh, in this day and age? I think keeping an open mind, listening to all of your supporters and all of your staff, um, you know, explore all the avenues that, that people people um, throw out there because sometimes you you get a good idea just based on one comment and you didn't expect it to come from that person or from that source and then you're able to really build on that um, on that momentum just be creative keep your ears open involve as many people as possible I love that is last wise words. Susan, thank you so much for carving out a little time on this Thursday afternoon to chat with me. Thank you for everything. You've been great. Good luck over the coming months and fingers crossed I see you in person uh, early next year. Yep, same. I can't wait. Bye. Bye.